What time is it? Rumble time. Rumble time? R-R-Rumble time. You're listening to Rumble Talks. Your weekly dose of candid conversations on issues that truly matter. I am Jonas Perito Bloom. I'm Shantao Nieto. And I am Siki Asinas. In this episode, let us talk about how producer responsibility is the leading key in solving pollution. Hello guys! Hello Chantel and Jonas, how are you? It's been quite a while since we last spoken. I believe that there are some very new news with you guys. How's it going? Hey CK, have you guys seen the traffic outside? It is crazy. It sure looks like Metro Manila is back to being Metro Manila. <laughs> exactly. That's that's correct. You know, like I said, I just did Christmas shopping about three days ago before the weekend, and then I went to the mall and it was crazy. And damn, tao na sa malls. The, the children are, are playing outside even without masks. I just hope that we are still practicing our responsibility in keeping ourselves safe you know, wearing our masks and um, yeah just you know observing proper distance because I believe that you know we can't really hold people back from going out of their homes but then it's really important that we still be mindful of the protocols yeah and hi YouTube good afternoon evening morning whatever <laughs> in the podcast world that day matters anyway Yeah, I agree. And actually, what's more scary right now is that people are starting to become careless. And that's not good for personally. I mean, I don't want to see that Omicron variant ruining our lives again in the form of the reinstatement of the facials and the increase of alert yes. status. Yeah. Hopefully, we don't see the facials again. again. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. yes. <laughs> My God. All right, so that's good, guys. It's really nice to know that you are both okay and everything's been going quite well at this time of the recording. Of course, Chantel, you're gonna lead an upcoming event, Sustainability Unplugged. By the time that this would be um, posted or released, of course, the event is already done. But just tell our listeners about what's gonna happen in Sustainability Unplugged, just for them to have an idea. Yeah, so Sustainability Unplugged this is an annual flagship event of SSPR, the Society of Sustainability Practitioners, Sustainable PH, and Sustainable PH Youth. So what we're doing is we're hosting a Philippine Sustainability Summit, but we're redefining the way we experience it. So we're trying to see how we can better come together as a community by not only having keynote speakers talk about how better to advance sustainability in our cities, organizations, and careers, but also how we, you know, the participants, can actually take charge of the conversation. So it's not just going to be us listening to the speakers, it's us talking amongst ourselves, ideating, brainstorming, collaborating, coming up with solutions and connections. It's going to be so much fun. And then we're going to cap the night off with a Sustainability Unplugged Leadership Award. So we have a lot of different categories from youth leadership to public service to corporate and entrepreneurship. So I'm super excited to see who will win this year's awards. I personally haven't seen who won, but I know the judges are doing their very best to really determine who the recipients will be. So I'm very excited to know this coming Saturday who will be awarded the first ever, you know, Unplugged Leadership Award. And yeah, can it really nice. 
Can I just say that CK was also nominated for that on behalf of the team? Mm, that is true. Uh, that uh, is true. You, you guys are was also nominated. You? I mean, Jonas was also nominated. So, I have two nommies here with me. Sorry, guys. I do not know who won. So, I cannot tell you. <laughs> But the recognition itself is already um, an honor to uphold. So, thank you very much for you guys for nominating me. You were crazy for doing that. But of course, uh, whoever wins, they really, really deserve it. And even those that who would not win the awards, they are very deserving in their own rights because of the advocacy, their initiative, and all the action that they've been taking to really contribute in the sector, not just in the sector, but also in their respective communities through the ways that they know how. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm also excited, actually. And Jonas, diba, we're going to cover the event. Well, it's a private event, guys, but uh, we are going to do uh, a commentary about it. Of course, by the time that you're going to be listening this or going to listen to this episode, the commentary has been done already because the event will be taking place on December 4th. But if, in case that you haven't seen the commentary yet, just check out our Facebook page. You will find Jonas and I banter about you know what's happening in sustainability unplugged in our own perspective. Of course, we hope to do justice uh, on on <laughs> what our keynote speakers would say and would share to the public. So I mean to the participants because it's a private event. So yeah, we're really really excited. Okay, so yeah, that's that. And well. Just to uh, to open up the floor, guys. You know, a lot of things have been happening recently. Of course, the pandemic is still here. Just very recently, uh, it was said that QC Mayor Joy Belmonte was ticketed for not wearing a helmet in one of an advocacy ride event called a cycle to end violence against women bike event. So it was said that uh, she shared or she lent her helmet to another participant so that uh, she will be protected and so that's why she was the one who got charged or who got fined rather for not wearing a helmet so well actually I, I have a lot of things to say about this of course because I do believe that safety concern about cyclists is not really much about the helmet per se but rather the unsafe driving behavior of some of the drivers of course I'm not blaming the drivers per se but essentially the driving behavior we have promulgated a system we're in or promoted a system we're in you know driving unsafely has been sort of part of a norm and so I think that you know what really introduces danger to the cyclists is not really them not wearing helmets but rather you know the risks of being run over by a speeding car or whatsoever so I hope that we you know just just in my in my opinion I hope that we get to revisit this policy because it's not really the problem the problem is really the how we have built the system where you know cars can own the road and safely so I'm not sure guys if you believe the same way but I hope that you know we can create or we can foster better solutions to really uphold safety not just for cyclists but also for vehicle owners passengers commuters or whatnot so do you have anything to say about this recent news do you also think the same thing as I do So I definitely think that for the most part, you're correct in that, you know, it's not just like band-aid solutions, if you want to call it that, for the lack of a better term, is definitely not enough. We need better infrastructure to prevent, you know, accidents from taking place in the first place, no? Helmets are preventative. 
partially basically if you fall they sort of help reduce yeah. impact but let's try not to get people to fall down in the first place so definitely i agree with you on that end but definitely there's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to do that i think some progress has been made over the past year so that's really really good hopefully we don't lose momentum and we find you know we are able to determine where best to put them where not to put them and basically we improve mobility all around and all across the country from um your active transport to mass transport because we need a lot and um, we need yeah. better public transportation systems and of course the private forms of transport as well so definitely we have lots to do and we're seeing now that you know we're going back to how it is traffic wise to metro manila so let's see what will happen in the yeah. next coming years jonas any thoughts road safety is well it's improving supposedly in in the philippines but we have a long way to go the idea of the bike lanes have already shaped you know not just post pandemic relief but also the idea of road safety the problem with not having a helmet is that it's an international like norm to really have a helmet i've fallen off my bike a lot of times there so there was a, i had an incident where i actually fell out of my bike you know by accidentally being hit by a motorcycle and See? what happened <laughs> yeah yeah and i fell off the by my back i crashed out actually you know, i had like a you know that blackout moment next thing i knew i was already on my back on the asphalt and if i did not have my helmet on i don't know what will happen to me probably like a major concussion or something so hey. yeah by experience having a helmet can definitely save lives and yeah. save brains so, so yeah for for the mayor of Quezon City to be like that is it's really sending the wrong message yeah for sure i'll also say that i guess people can still wear helmet if they want to it's a choice but it should not be a mandatory thing So, well, I think um, it, it can be mandatory just for everyone's protection. And as Jonas said, you know, it, it sort of plays with international regulations. But I think we can't let it be the only protective barrier. So, in a sense, it's like it's like a seatbelt. In a sense, like mandate people to wear seatbelts because it protects them. Don't give them the choice to sort of injure themselves if they can. No, pero at the same time, you don't make it your end-all, be-all policy measure to protect the people. You also have exactly. to put in the larger systems and infrastructure in place. Right. Maybe, yeah, we can make it the mandatory thing, but maybe not. Do not make up violations for not wearing helmets. I guess we have better ways to police rather than just fining mm. or, or imposing fines. To bikers that won't wear helmets, because essentially, who would be riding bikes? The CND people, the CND class, right? And those people tend to have just enough for the day to feed their families, and then when they get fined, then what's left for them, right? So it's really thinking about the people and what they also have. You know, maybe we can create, like you said, we can create an overall system where it's not just reliant on. Uh, I mean, the safety of the bikers or cyclists are not just reliant on helmets, but rather it's an overall system. Where infrastructure is in place and rules are in place, wherein unsafe driving behaviors are not tolerated, 
people are more mindful about their driving. Cyclists are also not violating road safety protocols or whatsoever. So it's really a, a holistic system that we need to have. And I guess I guess that's that. Now talking about our previous episode, which are related to pollution. Right. So with Debs Bartolo and Iris Abrigo of Lika Initiative, we tackled pollution not just in Metro Manila but also in the Philippines. Essentially, we did an overview of what's causing pollution and how pollution is affecting Filipinos' lives. And not just Filipinos' lives but also the environment and the ecological balance as well. And let's just talk about number one, what Debs here, uh, what Debs said in the discussion that we had. And I quote, Even the studies would show that a lot of it is industrial waste. We just want to emphasize that somehow, the communities, kasi, especially the urban communities, are the ones getting the brunt of reclamo. Na hindi kasi pinado, hindi kasi inaayos or tinatapon lang. So, I guess, just focusing on this on this quote, no, she mentioned about two things. The majority of the pollution issue happens because of industrial waste. And number two is the communities are the ones suffering from the complaints, from uh, from blaming or for finger pointing. Why we have poor waste management or why even the waste disposal behavior itself. You know? But studies have shown, like uh, what Deb said, that a lot of what's polluting our waters and our air and our land are industrial waste. Essentially, waste that comes from factories from manufacturing facilities, from any commercial activities, right? And a lot of these are, for example, in the form of carbon emissions. So the smoke that they emit through the air, and then there are also the waste leakage, the chemical waste that goes into the waters. So it goes to the body of water, to the creek, to the sewers, to the rivers, and then to the ocean or to the seas. And then other forms of industrial waste, of course, Jonas and Chantel, you can expound on this more based on, of course, the things that you know about industrial waste. But I do believe that, uh, I do believe in them on this part. Although, of course, the people themselves, the communities, also have a responsibility to take. We cannot just simply throw garbage anywhere where it's not supposed to go to. But of course, in my perspective, you have to think about the plight of those the less privileged, those that live in in certain situations where they are not educated properly on how to properly throw their trash or where they would dispose their uh, seguro sachet or plastics or any disposable item, right? So a lot of it is industrial waste, but of course, I believe that, you know, it works hand in hand. Now, because in my perspective, when the item goes to you, you as the end user, it's now your responsibility too, right? And it depends on how you, based on what you know, how you would behave in terms of how you would dispose the trash would be depending upon you. And so there is much to do in terms of educating also our communities in terms of, you know, how to properly dispose their trash. And I think it's also relatively difficult to, to reach all of them. But of course, this is definitely a challenge worth taking. You know, it's really a collective of both sides, you know, a collective effort from both sides. But of course, I don't want to I don't want to own the own the stage on this part. I would like to hear from you guys what you think about what Deb said and, you know, what's your take on this? I think that I definitely agree on what she said that, you know, they don't want this kind of situation as well. 
Like you can blame them for saying, okay, they're there and they're polluting it. And that's why things are so messed up. But honestly, like they don't want that either. Do you think that they're doing it on purpose? Obviously not. No one is doing anything bad on purpose, at least not in this regard. So the thing is that definitely there are actions that are being committed. Is it on purpose? I don't think so. But maybe it's because it's what's most practical. I wouldn't even say convenient. It's most. It's what's most practical given people's circumstances. Where are, for instance, like where are the trash cans that are available? And if there are trash cans that are available, everyone do the trash get picked up? And then where do those even go? Does it just like go back to a place that's nearby? Does it get treated somewhere? If nothing really happens, then what benefit is there, for instance, in throwing it properly? If it doesn't really go anywhere, then you might as well just like throw it wherever it's convenient for you because anywhere else is not really going to matter. So definitely, I think this screams more of what we've put into place as um, governing systems than it speaks of any one particular person. But I agree with you, CK, that, you know, definitely we can blame the system, but we also have to take accountability for what we do as persons because the moment something reaches our hands, of course, we decide what happens to it up until the point where it no longer is in our hands. So to the best of our ability, I think it's important that we do what we can but at the same time you know i agree with what you said we have to know what we can do and where we can do it so you know how do we make sure that people know that these things exist or that this is where the trash cans are like up until now i just keep remembering how i would answer like a question on pollution when i was in grade school i was just like why don't we just put a trash can like in every corner of you know the street because like if people keep littering maybe it's because there's no trash can so other people don't want to put trash in their pockets like i do it all the time i sort of got into the habit of that since i was in grade school but other people aren't comfortable with that so you know, like, why don't we put trash cans there so that people can just throw it in the trash can? Yeah. And then the other one is like, why don't, and, and then afterwards, it's like, if you want people to segregate, like, why don't we put segregating bins and then, like, make it easy? Because even as a student back then, like, there were items that I wasn't sure, is this biodegradable? Is this non-biodegradable? What does biodegradable mean again? So it's nice when someone said, like, hindi it makes a bit more practical sense to people. So I think yes. those things, we meet each other halfway so that we make things practical for people to do. And then we make sure that, you know, when we put these things in place, we are able to communicate well with the people. Actually, better if we work on the solutions together with the people so everyone is informed. Now, okay, this is what we're going to do now. This is available. This is accessible. Let's try it out. And then maybe finally we'll actually have something that will work. What do you think, Jonas? I was thinking about the context of you know, where Debs and Iris are coming from uh, from the camp. Ilika Initiative is really from the South. You're talking about Las Piñas, Montelupa, lower parts of Paranaque, and, and the, the towns of uh, the city of Bacor and Imus. So if you look at the landscape there, it's, you know, really industrial. And I bet that despite the passage of laws, we do have laws for pollution control, we do have laws for, for hazardous waste, we do have laws for clean water and clean air. If an industry does not get checked in from time to time, 
on whether or not they're really complying with those laws. Or maybe if those laws are not really that updated. For example, there I, I attended a forum where our current laws for air pollution is now so outdated that our air pollution standards are five times worse than the current WHO standards for air quality. For so, Philippines? Yeah, Philippines. Wow. So where, you know, yeah, the world has already shifted. The emissions targets that would be classified for clean air is now one-fifth than they were when the Clean Air Act was passed in 1999. <laughs> so, yeah, we, when we have all these things, we generally believe that we are actually having good intentions, or in fact, we tend to not update ourselves and become good or become better. We, we, we think that we're already doing something good by complying with these laws or complying with these regulations. But what if what we're following right now may not already be the, the new norm or the new standard? I mean, think about it. Like, even hospital wastes right now in the COVID-19 era which is considered as a hazardous waste. It's very, very hard to control right now because formerly you get a face mask, you just dump it in a hospital, they take care of it because they have those rules. Now with everyone having a face mask and having that considered as hazardous waste and uh, that could pollute, you know, it could be industrial waste as well, for all I care. You know, it, it, it goes against whatever laws that there are because you now have a big chunk that's coming not from the hospital but from the home. So people still have those good intentions but because of what's going on right now, it tends to be bad. So it's a problem that we have to like stop and have a reflection whether tama ba ba tong ginagawa natin in terms of pollution o kailangan na ba tayong mag-move? Mag-upgrade, mag-update, forward. Yeah, so that's actually a refreshing take, Jonas. No, because what we've been pointing out, and even our past guests, subject matter experts, were pointing out that we have really good laws. That's actually an eye opener. What you just said. Uh, maybe we really need updating, or you know, updating our laws, our provisions, and what we used to follow maybe 5 10 15 20 years ago are not really true at all right now especially like what i said no before we just expected na hospitals would be using surgical masks not all people on any given day would use surgical masks because of course it's you cannot breathe properly it's not your normal behavior But right now, given that we are in a pandemic, when everyone's wearing surgical masks, what now? What what are the new provisions that really make sense that uh, we really have to revisit what we have been doing in order for us to see a different outcome based on, of course, different contexts that we have already right now. And yeah, I guess you know that could be industrial waste, like you said, you know, hospital waste, and. It goes to show that there's much work that needs to be done from the institutional level down to the, of course, ground level of you know the implementation of all of these policies, educating people, the communities, and really providing them with proper cues or even designing the environment where they are meant to do good things, where they're meant to do what we want them to do, right? So like what Chantel said, if there are no trash cans there, can you expect them to just ibulsa yung basura nila? No. Uh, they would just throw it anywhere because it would become a hassle over time if they have no means to throw their trash properly. Right? So, yeah, that's a, those are really good points. Sustainer Rumble will be right back after a short break. 
Sustainer Rumble is a proud media partner of Climathon Pasig 2021, an annual ideathon that invites brilliant minds to come up with solutions that aim to address climate change. Back bolder than ever, Climathon Pasig 2021 organized a camp in the month of September that trained the participants on the meticulous process of turning their ideas into formidable solutions and equip them with skills for success. This year, Climathon Pasig diversified their focus by identifying three design challenges that are attuned with fostering a clean and green world. These are SDG 7, Affordable and Clean Energy, SDG 11, Sustainable Cities and Communities, and SDG 12, Responsible Consumption and Production. Climathon's Week of Action is from October 25 to 29, 2021 where teams will hustle it out and at the end of the week, a grand prize winner will be named. Watch out! As Climathon Pasig extends its reach to other parts of the Philippines and your chance to bring your ideas to life might finally come up. So make sure to follow Climathon Philippines on social media to stay tuned on future updates as they make their way to your city. You can find the links to this episode's description box. Moving on to number two, second talking point, which also came from Iris, now from Iris Abrigo. She said, and I quote, Merong movement on extended producer responsibility. Na ayun dapat nga yung mga producer extended yung mga responsibilidad nila doon sa product na hindi lang hanggang sa point of sale. Pero until sa pag-recover noong packaging materials o kung anumang kaakibat ng product na binibenta ng producers. So what she meant, to say here is there is a movement on extended producer responsibility where the producers are not only responsible of what they roll out in the point of sale but also in uh, towards the end of life towards the disposal and collection of waste of their products not just their products per se not just the for example food say that's uh, packaged food but also the sachet that came along with it or whatsoever right so I'd like to hear your thoughts about this, Jonas, because I believe you have you have much to say about uh, producer responsibility. Of course, you also, Chantel, I know that you guys have insights on producer responsibility, how we can make or what is essentially wrong in the producer's processes and how we can correct them or change them for the better. You can go, Jonas. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I was fortunate enough, thanks to my my day job, to be participating in discussions on EPR at the NGO level. At the time of this recording, the Worldwide Fund for Nature Philippines, or WWF, is crafting a document, a recommendation document, to Congress and anyone who would like to listen about extended producer responsibility as a way to guide our legislators to pass the law on EPR. And there's a lot of heated debate on what goes into EPR, who gets involved in EPR, what are the flows and systems that could be used because EPR is a Western concept. Let's admit it first that EPR is a Western concept. And it, we've never had that in Asian countries because we've never had... Uh, it's not because of lack of discipline. It's a technology thing. That you have old habits plus new technology 
and I'm quoting Al Gore here, old habits plus new technology may, will lead to potentially disastrous consequences. That's what he said in, 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 in the movie. An, an Inconvenient Truth. Yes. Mm. Because we relied on technology and uh, we didn't really change our habits that much for the past 100 years. I think about it. When we had that episode on the sachet economy, we had that thing where it became natural for us to use sachets, kinda. Even though we know that sachets are, you know, blowing up the bellies of whales and stuff like that. Maraming hindi nakakaintindi talaga kung ano ibig sabihin ng EPR. And may pushback galing sa mga tao na hindi nakakaintindi simply because hindi nila nakakaintindihan. Yeah. So the conversations namin at the WWF level no, and the other NGOs is that paano ba natin masasabi na yung sistema ay gumagana na hindi naman nagiging ano, mind-blowing. Hindi siya magiging mind-blowing sa mga ano, nagpaparticipate sorry, magpaparticipate dito. Anyway, so to be honest, they actually sent me an email to get me my comments on this. Uh, so, uh, I'd, la- I'd be happy to share this pag lumabas na yung recommendations from from WWF. And in summary, it's a very good concept. It's just that it's a Western concept. So, kailangan talaga na i-tailor fit siya to the Philippine setting or to the Asian setting man lang para maindidihan natin na ano ba talaga ang EPR. Yeah, that makes sense, Jonas. Iba rin talaga eh, in terms of, well, not just uh, siguro in processes but also in culture and in tradition. So, whatever is acceptable to them might not be acceptable to us. Whatever their realities are are not our realities. So, I think it's really important nga na ganun. And like what you pointed out, we're kind of behind, especially us in Southeast Asia compared to the ones in the Western area, the US. We are really behind in terms of technology and development. So, it must be tailor fit to our context and to our processes but of course i won't take the time away from Chantel. i would like to hear your thoughts also i think definitely i agree with jonas that for certain these foreign concepts would need to be better localized to suit our needs and our routines and lifestyles but overall i agree with iris that we have to extend responsibility to the producers because for the most part, yes, what we have at hand is our responsibility to sort of take care of, but we don't have our own landfills. We don't know where the wastes go once we throw it into the trash. We don't know how to recycle, upcycle it, for instance. No, But these producers would have greater oversight over what really happens throughout the life cycle of a product and they'd have more capital to work with to actually create infrastructure and systems that could better you know recycle and recirculate these goods so i think that given that it's really important that when we look into who might be better to hold accountable more practical to hold accountable then it would be to our benefit as a society to put it into the producer's hand as well. Of course, we have other players. We have the local governments. We have you know, recycling institutions. We have all of these other uh, players and organizations that help us in the process. So I think it's, it's important that 
we extend, of course, the responsibility of the producers, but we get them to coordinate and collaborate with the players already on the ground so that the solutions both parties come up with actually make sense and will actually work on the ground. As Jonah said, you have to localize, you have to work with the systems themselves. I was talking to a vice president of a big beverage company and she was talking about how they really do have an initiative to sort of get back their containers no, of their beverages. But their number one problem is they need people to pick those up and to bring them to whether it's the junk shops or their recycling sites. So if they're able to work with the, right, the trash pickers, no, um, the junk shops, then it's easier for them. So they found that out. So they started working with these people and these organizations. And somewhat, it's been helpful. It, it, it hasn't solved everything yet because of a lot of different reasons, but it's a start. So something like that, no? We have to extend accountability, but we also have to find ways to support them in implementing the strategies and the, and the goals they put into place. Because at the end of the day, not one player can do this. We really have to create systems that work for everyone and that everyone would work for. Okay, I'll try to chime in about what Chantal said about for example, retrieving your bottle so that you could repurpose it or reuse it, or maybe even I'm thinking the purpose of that is a refilling. One other difficulty about having this concept of yeah, EPR and circularity is that there are certain notions in Philippine society which we believe is noteworthy, but it may not be practical because oh, we're more, more conscious about our health. It's said that Philippine health standards are one of the highest in Southeast Asia. And one of the reasons is actually because where, you know, whatever we use, we dump it right away. For example, in the regulations under the Food and Drug Administration, there are no, or currently there are talks to promote the practice of refilling. However, because the current standards do not have that practice, so you know, it, it's pretty hard for, let's say, social innovation startups to have a full refilling business in food and drink because in the eyes of many people, it's better you just throw away a bottle of your favorite soft drink rather than putting it into a special container for them to, to repurpose and reuse. So it's a, it's a cultural thing. I know that's hard. <laughs> it's even harder to change rather than the technological. but. We also have to ask ourselves, like, okay, why are these practices not working? And can we go back to even older practices to see if these concepts may work? Because it's not just always new technology, new technology, new technology, or foreign concepts, or you know, new styles. It could be going back to our ancestors and to see what did they do right? that we can even adapt to the modern-day standard. That, that's correct. But Jonas, you also mentioned something about resource efficiency. Could you tell us more about that and uh, how that would, you know, solve this or like really cement or like make producer responsibility really effective? Uh, okay. I came across this case a few days ago about how the model of Airbnb 
is reducing emissions in the accommodation sector. This would be my um, case study for it. If you compare it to a full-service three-to-five-star hotel where every day you have to clean the room, every day you have to change the towels, every day you have to make sure everything is tidy for the hotel guests to stay in. In Airbnb, you just clean it one time and then you just let the person that's renting for like three to five days minimum to you know take care of the place because they know they're renting. And as a result, you are actually reducing the amount of electricity that's being consumed per room. You're wasting less water. You're throwing away less garbage. And in turn, you are actually contributing less of a carbon footprint because you are efficient in the use of those resources that would end up as a use. From electricity all the way to solid waste. That would be an example of what an efficient resource efficiency model would be. That totally makes sense, yes. And I guess a lot of, you know, a lot of processes right now that has been implemented for quite a long time already are not so efficient in global standards. Like, say, for example, I think, you know, this was all over media that when you produce clothes, you already consume a lot of water. Like, gallons and gallons of water, right? Just a pair of clothes or just a simple clothing, diba, would already constitute a lot of, you know, using a lot of water. And that goes to show, like, for example, in fast fashion as well, diba? So, mm. yung usage of nylon, of course, the other issues are also in another topic na, like, for example, yung exploitative work. But in terms of human production, yun, using nylon, those tend to become microplastics that go into the ocean. They won't degrade, they won't dispose, they would get inhaled or consumed rather by the fishes, which essentially goes back to us, where we, we would eat those fishes. So, essentially, we the microplastic goes back to us. Ganyan. So, you know, resource efficiency, I believe, it's not just only for corporations or producers to save on costs, but also be more mindful and to also reduce or even eliminate pollution from their processes. So that's a good thing for us, for not just for them, but also for us well, collectively as a society. So I guess we're down to our last talking point, which is what, uh, what Deb said. And I really like what she pointed out here. And I quote, Doon sa sashay now, if you will ask a community available or accessible ba sa kanila or kakayanin ba yung mga refillables, the answer will always be no. Because I think the ones who can afford this kind of solution or kind of service is somehow us from the middle class and the upper middle class. We have to understand that the culture that we have is interrelated to the very capitalist way of living that we have here in the Philippines. So parang yung pag-i-inform, pag-i-educate natin, pagkakaroon ng awareness, does it really address the point of why we need to shift? Bakit kailangan? Umaabot ba siya sa level ng conversation wherein wala ng environment or kapaligiran na matiterhan ang ating susunod na henerasyon kung puros tapon lang tayo? When you try to put out waste and then do segregation, new segregation mechanisms ba available ba ito? So those are essentially three points all in one. So she mentioned about talking about sachet disposal and avoiding products that come with sachets. When you ask a community, especially the, the lesser privileged ones, that kind of talk is really not very practical to them because, of course, it's what's available, it's what's cheap, 
what they can buy. So they have no choice. And that's what's uh, being sold in the tindahan in the mom and pop stores, sa tindahan ni Aling Nena or wherever, right? Second point is she also mentioned that we also have a very capitalist way of living. So the information, education that we really peddle for everyone to be very mindful about their spending behavior, their buying behavior. It's not really very widespread as we thought it should be. So the conversation again on that end is not really very normal. And then to her point, does it go to the conversation we're in if we stop if we are more mindful or if we are more responsible about our spending or buying behavior do we correlate it to environmental issues environmental conservation right so do we have that kind of language do we say that do we educate people we want to educate them based on these principles and then when you try to put out ways and do segregation are segregation mechanisms available for all people right so which goes back to what Chantal said in the first point no are mechanisms there is infrastructure there even just simple as trash bins are they present in not just in houses for example where they would dump whatever they have say basura sa bahay saan nila tatapon yan para pick up ng garbage truck or kung walang garbage truck saan nila pwedeng itapon <laughs> yung mga ganun tanong right and yung mga ganun bagay so I really do believe in her point. It's really hard to democratize and normalize this conversation unless it becomes practical for all people. At the end of the day, the packaged food are still cheapest. Hindi mo na kailangan magluto. Hindi mo na kailangan, say, sapo kung coffee man yan, no? na nakasashay, hindi mo na kailangan mag-brew kasi syempre, pag bibili ka pa ng beans, kailangan meron ka pang, ano, di ba? Meron ka pang coffee maker. Eh, hindi naman lahat naka-afford ng coffee maker. Hindi naman lahat nakabili ng beans. Hindi man accessible sa kanila yon. Ang madali lang, kuha ka lang ng mainit na tubig, may sashay na, ano, coffee na nakasashay, instant, three-in-one, Ayan ayan, you already have your coffee and that's really masa. That's that's for majority of the Filipino people. So, tama, ang hirap na i-democratize ang ganung yung ganitong classing mindset na you have to be mindful about what you consume, 'di ba? Yung ginagamit mo, yung binibili mo. Kasi yun nga eh, iba yung for example sa ating more privileged ones, we can afford the ones that can be less harmful to the environment compared to the less privileged ones. Ito yung available to yung mura. And then, yung sa pag educate din, although sabihin natin na social media is very widespread nowadays, even though we are one of the maybe the largest mobile user in in the in the world i'm not sure if it's still true today or this year but you know even though we have that kind of behavior or culture talagang there are so many information online and we do not really control what people get in terms of you know the information about these kinds of things do we really send the message across in a way that they would understand or nagagamit ba natin yung resources natin para you know manormalize ng mga classing mga information no and syempre pagdating naman sa environment yun so nasasama ba natin yung environment in a way na naintindihan nila kung ano yung implications Right, so those are still big questions. Eh? Although we know that a lot of people are becoming more aware, but maybe we just don't, do not really know. Maybe 
there's still a lot more to do to influence a lot more people. Baka mas marami pa rin talaga hindi masyadong aware. Right? That's really the big challenge there. And then, of course, the segregation mechanisms. We have talked about the MRFs, you know, the lack of MRFs in our waste episodes. So, that goes to the governing bodies as well. So, what do you think about this, guys? Do you also agree with Debs or do you want to raise anything, you know, maybe opposite or something related to Debs? What would you like to share? I think that definitely, ito naman lagi yung stance ko, diba? Now, when it comes to advocating for things and demanding for shifts in behavior that entail, for instance, being more sustainable, like reducing our use of single-use sachet packaging, it's important to uh, get people to act more responsibly. But we always have to take into account that We're not in developed countries where everyone has a pretty good amount of safety net no? in terms of income, in terms of capability. We are in the Philippines and a lot of people, of course, struggle to get by. And so we have to take into account practicality. We have to be empathetic in the way we approach this. No, And that's the reason these sachets started in the first place because companies needed to find ways to reach the people at the bottom yeah. of the pyramid. Diba? They needed to find ways. And sachets, yung tingi-tingi culture natin, worked. Kasi at least now, the people, pwede nalang pagkatihatiin yung kinikita nila sa shampoo, sa conditioner, yeah. sa pagkain. Araw-araw. Kasi ganun yung pan. Pasok dito labas, di ba? So, yung question isn't necessarily, for me at least, the question isn't necessarily how do we get people to go away from sachets, no? I've asked that question also when I was doing my master's in sustainability management. That was a focus of my thesis, no? Communicating sustainability, how to use communication to influence more pro-environmental behavior from people. And I used um, as an operative action or behavior, you know, buying products in single-use sachets. And I found na most effectively, if you phrase it in such a way that it will influence their health or the health of their families, must significant yung change in their intention not to reduce their use. So on that end, it also goes back to practicality. What makes sense to them? Family, health. Kasi bawal magkasakit. Pag mahirap ka, lalo na bawal magkasakit kasi gastos yan. Mawawalan ka pa ng trabaho kasi hindi ka makakapasok. Wala kang income. So, that's one aspect of it. We can find ways to communicate better with the people so that, you know, we will meet halfway. No? A quarter of the way, three-fourths of the way, whichever works. But at the same time, I think the question isn't just on how to get people to reduce their use, especially if we're talking about majority of the population that rely on stashes to get by. The question is, how else can we provide the services sachets provide, but in a way that's more environmentally friendly? Nagtatakal tayo dati bago dumating yung mga plastic sachets. May tabu tayo pag naligo eh. I mean, sanay tayo magtakal ng mga gamit. Can we maybe go back to that? Can we maybe put in some structures na pwede? Pwede yun na hindi sila bibili in bulk yung sari-sari stores na malalaki yung containers, tatakal mo, measure mo yung tas talagay nila sa supot nila, sa bag nila, baka pwede may containers sila sa bag, siguro sponsor ng LGU, sponsor ng ganito, you know, doon mo na ipackage, parang yung mga medicine pack, tapos doon mo na lang ibigay-bigay. I think that's a question that maybe we could do better in asking, no? How do we provide 
the same services sachets provide, but in a way that is more environmentally friendly. No, so it sort of shifts back the form of accountability to again the producers to the governing institutions. But overall, I think my point really is people play a huge role. Yes, pero at the same time, we have to take into consideration no, who has the power here and what questions should we really be asking so that we also know what answers and what solutions we should be putting out there. Sayang din kasi yung effort if paulit-ulit lang tapos wala namang nangyayari kasi hindi naman pala tumutugma sa realidad ng mga tao sa, ah, sa lipunan natin ngayon. Yeah, I definitely agree, Chantel. I love what you just said. <laughs> it's, you know, especially the masa, they can only do so much. And, you know, as the governing institutions, they have essentially the control and the power to say or to provide what we want to provide to those people. Like, for example, if they want the sachet kind of service, how do we bring sustainable solutions to the on-ground level wherein we provide the same level of benefits also? People in institutions, in the production sector and in governance have a role to play here and maybe they have the biggest role to play of course in enacting all these solutions because like I said and like you also said na, we should not like uh, ask the question uh, how would the masa stay away from sachet but rather provide these benefits but in a way you know more attuned to environmental conservation more responsible in waste disposal and something that we can also manage because of course at, at the end of the day panag-uumapaw na yung landfills problema ng governing institutions and then problema ng mga producers naman kapag nakita ng governing institutions na ay kayo yung nagproduce nito bakit ganito yung pinuduce nyo hindi na nabubulok hindi na nare-recycle diba? so you know it becomes everybody's problem also so yung conversation na ay yung mga producers kaya naman nila ginagawa to server for fast profit hindi na siya valid today so it comes back to haunt them also. Kaya it's really their responsibility to to really you know lead the charge. Jonas, your take? My take on jo- this is that we're actually not talking. The reason why I mentioned not talking is because if you're gonna blame capitalism for all the ills of society, that's kind of half true. And this is what. I think the message that we're trying to get when it comes to the sachet economy. And I think we also mentioned this in our sachet economy episode way back last year. But one of the things that I've learned recently is that part of the overall idea of you know a good working functional economy, whatever the economy would be, or what model would it be, it requires a lot, and I mean a lot, of stakeholder engagement. And we have to think about, I mean, we have to get everyone involved, be it, you know, your everyday mangangalakal, to your everyday um, residential you know, house mom, to the guys that are doing the, the sorting out of wastes and, and um, sorting out the pollution matters, all the way to, you know, those that will be producing what will eventually end up as pollutants. If we don't have that conversation that everyone would be in one room to see the gaps, to identify the gaps, to see what's wrong, why are we having this? Because we go back to the idea earlier that everyone has good intentions. No one wants to be the bad guy, right? But because we're trying to frame ourselves to be good and we have our own set of good intentions, 
So where does the intentions, or where do the intentions uh, hit a limit and become bad? And that's why we need to get everyone on the table and solve this, not through you know forcing regulation or not through putting in that, okay, we have this new piece of technology and we want to pilot it. It requires systems change. And how do you do systems change in that scale? It starts really by talking to everyone and seeing where their ideas are coming from, seeing where their stances are coming from, for us to identify where we should be heading next. Communication is always key, and communication right now is like a like a disconnect. So the overall thing is that kailangan natin magusap, you know. The famous quote of Boyapuna, Tara Usap Tayo, can mm. never be ever false in this instance. Pwede na. Tara Usap Tayo. Kaibigan! Usap Tayo. Ayoko na ba? Baka, okay, <laughs> seryoso. Pero tama naman. Tama, Jonas. Yeah. I, I also agree on that part, yes. You know, we really can't get our shit together unless we all of the players in the entire process would sit down talk it through you know share each other's experience you know because the people in these phases of you know product usage and waste disposal no? from the producers to uh, of course the distributors to the sellers the retailers the end users and then the waste collectors ganyan everyone talking talaga I guess that would really put all ideas into the room and you know really weed out what's really essential or what what are the real score because like I said no parang similar with governance like for example you can't really provide a thorough mobility solution or transport solution unless you are a commuter yourself <laughs> that's why even the leaders for example the new mayor in I think in Massachusetts for I'm not sure Massachusetts Boston. Massachusetts Boston right she's a commuter and she just recently I forgot what she drafted it pero it's related to public transport uh, I think it's about the bus uh, bus network bus transport I forgot Basayon. she's a commuter herself that's why she really understands the plight of the commuters because she experiences it daily so unless we really get all people from different parts of the process you know from parts of the supply chain to really talk to one another and talk things through we can't really see the entire picture so that that totally makes sense to us yeah kaibigan usap tayo so any 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 final thoughts about this before we close this session None for me, but it's true what Jonah said. We have to get people to talk together. Um, the way we're talking now, that we have to get people to sit down, talk, and do so continuously, repeatedly until we actually get stuff done the right way. All right, so I guess that's that. And what a fruitful discussion this has been. Thank you very much. Now, kung papangalanan ang isa pang fundamental source of life aside from air and water, iisat ang talagang lalabas sa isipan, energy. The energy that primarily came from the stars can now be stored in tiny button cell batteries through recent breakthroughs in technology. Kung walang energy, walang ilaw sa gabi, walang pagkain sa mesa, walang sasakyan na madadala sa atin from point A to point B, 
walang opisina na nagbibigay ng pangkabuhayan at wala gadgets at internet na nagpapasaya sa atin matapos ang mahahabang araw. The thing is, the way that we are producing energy has become the root cause of pollutants that there are not just in the Philippines but across the world. That is by burning fossil fuels or dead plants or extracting oil from the ground. We produce the electricity that is distributed to every inch of space the powered grids can reach. So ang masarap isipin ay, makakarating kaya tayo sa point ng energy na ating pinoproduce from natural sources such as sunlight, wind, heat underneath the earth at ocean waves ay magiging kasing sagana ng napoproduce natin from fossil fuels to match our electricity needs. Tune in to sustain a rumble as we explore renewable energy as a power source. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or sundin nyo lang kami wherever you're listening to this episode para ma-notify naman kayo pag may bagong episode na lalabas. Or better yet, tick that get notified on new episodes which on Spotify so that you will be getting a push notification. And do join our community group called The Pit by Sustainer Rumble on Facebook to get first dibs and everything sustainability. Ika nga kay Ernie Baron. Bye-bye! <laughs>